The information in this skill is provided for informational and educational purposes only. Welcome, and thank you for listening to the SMA Flash Briefings. Hi, I'm Price Wildridge. As a rare neuromuscular disorder patient myself, I enjoy reading flash briefings for spinal muscular atrophy. Here's an article by Steve Bryson, PhD. Lesser blood loss with scoliosis surgery seen in tranexamic acid use. Tranexamic acid, or TXA, effectively reduced blood loss by over 50% during surgery to correct for scoliosis caused by spinal muscular atrophy. A 20-year study demonstrated The medication also lowered the volume of blood transfused during surgery by 60% and reduced the amount of crystalloid solutions used to maintain blood volume. Because higher crystalloid and blood transfusion volumes are associated with lung or pulmonary complications after surgery, the researchers noted that TXA may help alleviate these problems. The study Intravenous tranexamic acid reduces blood loss and transfusion volume in scoliosis surgery for spinal muscular atrophy. Results of a 20-year retrospective analysis was published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. Scoliosis or curvature of the spine commonly occurs in SMA patients due to progressive muscle weakness and atrophy caused by a lack of nerve cells that control voluntary muscle movement. SMA scoliosis can impact spinal balance, make sitting difficult, and may affect breathing. In some cases, surgery is required to help stabilize the spine and trunk, improve sitting balance, ease back pain, and preserve lung function. However, patients undergoing spinal surgery for neuromuscular scoliosis are at an increased risk for surgical bleeding, with some losing more than 50% of their total blood volume. These patients are also at a higher risk of needing intraoperative fluid and blood transfusions and of developing subsequent pulmonary complications. TXA, infused directly into the bloodstream intravenously, is known to be effective at treating or preventing excessive blood loss from trauma or major surgery, including during corrective surgeries in people with other neuromuscular diseases. Because of the limited number of patients, however, TXA's usefulness during SMA scoliosis surgery is still unclear. Since 2009, clinicians based at the Kawasung Medical University Hospital in Taiwan have used TXA to reduce bleeding in SMA patients undergoing scoliosis surgery. The team examined the medical records from these procedures given before and after 2009 to report on TXA's effectiveness. To the best of our knowledge, no study has investigated the effectiveness of intravenous TXA in scoliosis surgery in SMA patients, the researchers wrote. Their study included 15 patients treated with TXA during surgery, 10 females and 5 males. Of them, 12 were diagnosed with SMA type 2 and 2 with SMA type 3. Records of 15 SMA patients not given TXA during surgery were also examined nine females and six males, 12 of whom had SMA type 2 and three with SMA type 3. There were no significant differences between the two groups regarding the percentage of red blood cells by volume, platelet counts, surgical time, or spinal curvature before or after surgery. Results showed that compared to the control group, those treated with TXA had less overall estimated blood loss defined as the total blood loss volume collected by suction and gauze absorption during surgery. But the difference was not statistically significant. In contrast, 
the TXA group had a statistically lower average of total blood volume loss, or TBVL, calculated from the estimated blood loss and the estimated total blood volume of the patient. The mean TBVL for the TXA group was 52.1% and 106.7% for the control group. Thus, TXA administration decreased the mean rate of TBVL by 51%, the team wrote. During surgery, the mean blood volume infused into the TXA group was significantly lower than that in the control group, 498.7 versus 1,250 milliliters, representing a 60% reduction. The volume of crystalloid solutions containing electrolytes, such as sodium and chloride, to maintain liquid volume was 26% lower in the TXA group than in control patients. The overall transfusion volume was 35% less. Intubation during surgery was also shorter in the TXA group, and these patients had fewer pulmonary complications than controls, 5 versus 8. But none of these differences were statistically significant. Patients who experienced pulmonary complications were more likely to receive more crystalloid solution and higher total transfusion volumes compared with those without these complications. To further examine these findings, researchers set an overload volume limit of transfused crystalloid solution at 113 milliliters per kilogram to analyze the relationship between TXA, crystalloid volume, and pulmonary complications. The TXA group had a significantly lower rate of excess crystalloid volume than did controls. At the same time, the pulmonary complications were significantly higher in the crystalloid volume overload group than those in the non-overload group. In patients given high volumes of fluids, whether in the TXA or control group, pulmonary complications were more likely, but not by a statistically significant degree. In conclusion, this study suggests that TXA can effectively decrease the intraoperative blood loss and crystalloid transfusion volume during posterior spinal fusion for SMA scoliosis, the researchers wrote. Furthermore, TXA administration in SMA patients undergoing scoliosis surgery can reduce the incidence of crystalloid fluid overload, allow earlier postoperative extubation, and thereby reduce postoperative pulmonary complications, they added. Coming up next, Perspectives from SMA News Today Forum's moderator, Deanne Runge. Thanks for joining me. I'm Deanne Runge, SMA News Today content creator. The article I have for you today is a little bittersweet. It's an article by Brianna Albers called To Protect My Emotional Wellness, I'm Letting Myself Take a Break. I'm sad that I won't be hearing from Brianna for a little while, but I'm happy that she's taking some time to refresh and rejuvenate. Here's her article. Every Wednesday, I jump on a Zoom call with a bunch of writers and talk. Sometimes we talk about professional things like revisions, copy edits, or writing to the market. Sometimes we talk about politics. More often than not, we talk about survival. Specifically, how to survive as a writer in a world that undervalues the written word. I'm not exaggerating when I say the group keeps me sane. For one thing, they get it in ways that friends and well-meaning relatives don't. For another, they force me to take care of myself. They don't just value my creative output, they value me, the creator, 
Even when I'm blocked, burned out, or physically unable to achieve the goals I set for myself last year. Every Wednesday, my writing group reminds me of my humanity. Meanwhile, my therapist interrogates my ideas of rest and productivity. I'm bad at resting. One might say I'm terrible at it. I have delusions of able-bodiedness, which is to say I'm good at pretending away my disease. I'm not disabled. I don't have chronic pain. I just sit in a wheelchair all day and require assistance with everyday tasks, neither of which are prerequisites for abnormality. Every couple months, my therapist asks if I'm living in accordance with someone else's values. Do I really want to be a productivity maven slash wellness expert slash activist slash best-selling author? Or is it simply that I feel like I should be all of those things? A couple weeks ago, I got my first COVID-19 vaccine booster. I knew there'd be side effects, but in truth, I never could have expected the degree to which it knocked me out. I was out of it for a week. I had everything from headaches to chills to fatigue. I knew that as an adult, I was expected to work through it. My able-bodied friends didn't have the luxury of losing an entire week to something as inconsequential as a vaccine. They had jobs, mortgages, families. My list of responsibilities is short in comparison. Naturally, I started beating myself up for not achieving everything I had set out to accomplish at the beginning of the week. I didn't have the energy. I literally didn't have it in me. But I was still frustrated. I knew I needed to rest, but some small, stubborn part of me felt like I shouldn't. My therapist's response was simple. I told her I felt like I didn't deserve to rest, and all she said was, Why? Why do you feel that way? Why can't you accept that you can't do everything? My response was just as simple. I don't know. In public, I'm the mom friend, bullying people into looking after themselves. But I'm so much more cruel in private. Not to the people in my life, but to myself. All this time, I've been pretending to be someone I'm not. I don't have limitless energy. I don't have a body that bounces back from a particularly intense vaccine booster. I'm extraordinarily sensitive, physically, but emotionally as well. My emotional wellness takes a beating. It wasn't just that I got jabbed, it was that my mom recently tested positive for COVID-19. It was the cumulative stress of a pandemic, a major home renovation, and a chronic pain flare. It was the unresolved grief of having to shelve the book I'd been working on for a decade. It was the intensity of a life transition, plus the mental illness associated with the change in seasons, plus the pressure of living with a progressive disease that should have killed me long ago. Why can't you accept that your life is different than everyone else's? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. A couple of weeks ago, when my writing group talked about ways to temporarily conserve energy, I came up blank. I'm not in school, I don't have a job, I have several creative projects, but it's not like I can call myself a full-time writer. Compared with others in my field, I do the bare minimum. I've been writing this column regularly since early 2017. It never occurred to me like a bear in wintertime I could hibernate for a while. Hone in on the things that matter to me most, with every intention of revisiting certain activities once the snow melts. 
I'd been feeling burned out for a while, but I'd learned not to question it. I'd also come to accept it, and how sad is that? A failure of imagination, if you ask me. All this is to say that I'm taking the rest of 2021 off. I'll be back in 2022 with the first draft of a new book and lots more thoughts on activism through storytelling. I can't juggle eight balls at once, and that's okay. My body is my body. If I'm going to survive in it, I need to figure out how to work with it, not against it. Thank you for reading these rambling little essays of mine for years on end. It means so much to me that you're here. I'll return in the new year, but for now, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to my newsletter, or support me on Ko-fi. More soon, with love. Thanks, Brianna. I wish you well on your break and hope you can get refreshed and rejuvenated because we love hearing from you. That's all I have for you today. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. The information in our flash briefings and podcasts are provided for informational and educational purposes only. Be sure to tune in daily to SMA News Today for the latest news and perspectives regarding the disease. Discover more content that might be of interest to you at www.smanewstoday.com. And be sure to follow us on social media and join our SMA News Today forums, a trusted SMA community ready to welcome you anytime.